Fisher Nahida. And I'm DeFi250. And this is PvP Corner, the PvP podcast composed by Junichi Masuda. Uh, DeFi, hey! <laughs> We're in person! We're we'll, in have person. To, we'll have to post a, a selfie later, but we are recording this podcast in my hotel room that is very small on a <laughs> off of Fish's laptop and portable microphone but we are in person we are together for the very first time after years yeah it's been two and a half years almost three years in the making but it's it's finally able to happen uh so we are in yokohama right now DeFi, what has been uh what's been your experience that's a very broad question to start off with but let's let's see how you tackle it what's been your experience with japan just overall i have absolutely loved it here it's been really hot. I think that's what you're going to hear everybody say, that having GoFest and Worlds in August in Japan is just kind of rough. It's sweaty. It's humid. but And I've been walking a lot. You walk everywhere. I've hit like 30,000 steps a day. Easy on most days of my travel, but everyone here has been so kind. It's clean, efficient. The public transport is great. I had a really good GoFest experience. I'm glad that I did the Sunday because I got mm. to learn from everybody who did Friday <laughs> and Saturday experiences. I've had a great time in Yokohama so far. Honestly, it's all been really good. Yeah, I, that's one one thing I've uh, really that has stood out to me more than anything else, is just how people treat each other. Like, there is, like, a very big emphasis on, like, mutual respect and order. Um, And, uh, (laughs) like, I've I've been really enjoying, you know, the interactions that I've been having with, you know, the lady at the 7-Eleven or the the taxi driver. (laughs) It's it's been really awesome. I really agree. It's been... It's been such a good experience, and I'm sad it's coming to a close as we record. It is currently ending day one of Yokohama Worlds, so I'm leaving in just a few days. So that is crazy to think about. It feels like I just got here. (laughs) Um, I I still have a few more days left. I'm leaving on... Uh, it's either Wednesday or Thursday. I don't know. And we've we've had jokes about this, how I'm uh, such a a laid-back person in situations like this, how, you know, my travel plans have involved literally turning up, and then each day, uh, me and my friends have just been like, what do you want to do today? <laughs> As opposed to uh, DeFi, where, you know, everything's got to be planned. And uh, we've, we've talked about how, like, the perfect holiday would involve, like, the mixture of us two together because like my style brings a lot of issues with it as well uh yours just your style just sounds stressful yeah it's a little (laughs) bit more stressful however in the end like i know where all my hotels are i have my reservations i know how long it takes to get places if something requires a reservation like the pokemon cafe you need to reserve that months in advance like i'm able to Mm -hmm. do things like that because you plan ahead well, I mean, if I had planned ahead, I probably wouldn't have gone to that one karaoke bar in Osaka uh, the couple of days after GoFest and, you know, karaoke with the locals, so... And uh, there's, pros and con- there's pros and cons to both. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so we were able to experience an in-person GoFest. This isn't your first in-person GoFest, is it? No, I've done one in- the one in Chicago, and then I did the one in Seattle as well. So, first one outside of the United States, for sure. <laughs> and how does it compare with the with the other two that you've had? I think I had a pretty similar experience to the one that in Seattle last year. I would say the experiences are pretty comparable. There was a city portion and a park portion. It's hot. <laughs> like, it's much yeah. hotter than it was in Seattle last year. We actually, what my group did is we did our entire city portion, and they actually had the city portion available the whole day for people. Mm. So we did our city stuff in the morning and actually stayed and cut into our park time and just stayed in the city because it was cooler. We were able to play in the underground. For anyone uh, who doesn't know, Osaka is the base for Goldenrod City in the Johto region. I didn't know that. And one thing about Goldenrod City is there's the Goldenrod Underground. Namba, that's Namba. 
So I actually got to play most of GoFest in the Goldenrod City Underground, which is really cool. Yeah. And it was air conditioned and inside (laughs) and lovely to play in. So we just stayed for a good chunk of the park time as well. And by the time we took the hour train to get to the park, it was already like the hottest part of the day had ended and we really got to enjoy it. There was some shade (laughs) by the time that happened from the angle of the sun. It was it was much better. I'm glad that we only spent a few hours in the park in the afternoon and we didn't have to deal with the blistering heat of the main part of the day. And I had a lot of really good catches. I caught a bunch of carbink that I'm going <laughs> to trade for XLs uh, to work slowly on this new meta-defining Pokemon <laughs> Uh, that is Carbink, and just had a really good experience hanging out and talking to people. I hung out with Debbie Pebble and PVP Steve mm-hmm. for a good chunk of the morning person morning portion, and I saw a lot of people in the park, and it was just fun. Um, yeah, so there there is a lot of this that I have heard before, some that I haven't. Uh, the reason that I've heard some of this before is because we were... Uh, spending so many days just trying to find a time to catch up, but we just never really aligned. Like, how many how many days have we been in Japan right now? And we've been like, how about tomorrow? No, no, that's not going to work. How about how about the next day? No, no. <laughs> um, so in Osaka, in Tokyo, and in Yokohama, how many how many days has it been? Like a week and a half. A week and a half of us just like going back and forth, and then finally we f- saw each other for the first time in the corridor of the world championship venue and exchanged about a 17 minute hug (laughs) no i just i saw him and i was like oh my god (laughs) i found him yeah finally finally hide and go fish i have i successfully played the game um uh i was used to the heat being in Australia, and I was, like, so proud to tell people, just, like, I was there in my tank top, just out in the sun, not even bothering to look for shade, being like, yeah, yeah, um, uh, this is, this is the weather back home, you know, uh, then people would be like, your, your shoulders are really red, and I'm like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just Aussie tan. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a good for our GoFest experience, I know personally I spent just a day or so in Tokyo after that, and then came to Yokohama, Japan. And the day I got here, just to get it, start getting into our world's experience, the queue, the line mm. to get the tickets, to get your badge, was deadly. Because what I had, instead of wait, because people were waiting in the queue already for like six, seven, eight hours just waiting to pick up their badge. It was mm. ridiculous. The mile, the queue had to be at least a mile long by the time we got there. I didn't wait That's in that That's not a turn line. of phrase, like, legitimately a mile long. It was legitimately a mile long. <laughs> no joke. Yeah. And I didn't wait. I just turned up at around 4.35 o'clock when badge pickup opened and had to go to the very end of the line. It was rough. But I had a good reason. There was a concert. The... <laughs> Uh, NHK Japanese Special Orchestra played a mix of traditional orchestral music as well as beautiful renditions, arrangements of original Pokemon music from the very theme when you first open a main series game. They played, you know, the wild Pokemon encounter theme. They played Cynthia's battle theme, the surf theme. The They had a mix of stuff from the Paldea region, which... The gym leader Paldea music is some of my favorite. It's so intense. It's so good. It really like gets your blood pumping. It was wonderful. And they had screens showing footage from the main series games, as well as some new footage. It was, it was great. I had a phenomenal time. So that was good. But then we had to go to the back of the queue and it was, it took hours. It took hours to wait in line just for a 30 second interaction to pick up my spectator pass <laughs> and then haul myself back to the hotel and go to bed. My feet were on fire. I was hungry. I was tired. So that was not a great experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, today coming in, it was super easy. You just walk in <laughs> to the venue and with your spectator pass in hand, they had their, the event that's going on for the players. Interestingly enough, you need the code card you got when you picked up your badge to even see the stops. It's kind of like a go fest in that way where you need the badge in game Mm -hmm. to be able to see the stops, which makes perfect sense. If it was lit up as an event, just all the locals would come 
and it would crash everything. Yeah, yeah. So they need they needed to limit it somehow to not crash the servers, not crash you know the network everywhere. Yeah, and it means that people who haven't got a spectator's pass or a competitor's pass can't get like the world's Pikachu, for example. Uh, did you what what did you get at the Pokemon Center? Because they've always got a uh, pop up Pokemon Center there, which is you know huge and there's, again a, a line a mile long. Uh, people clamor to. <laughs> I heard so many people going like, "Well, uh, like saying friendly goodbyes to their wallets." <laughs> yeah, that was me. Uh, I got all five exclusive plushes mm-hmm. there because there's the Foycoco, Quaxley, Sprigatito, and a Pikachu and a Lapras plush. So there's five of them, and those were all expensive. I got some shirts. I got a lanyard, just a bunch of the world's exclusive stuff. I got the deck box, which was very coveted. It has an exclusive card in it. So that was good. I went twice, once on Thursday before I actually got my badge. And then once today, and today it just felt so picked over. I thought it was picked over before when I went Thursday afternoon. It was so picked over today. Like all the exclusive shirts were gone. Mm There were no pins in stock. I was shocked that there were no (laughs) pins in stock. It was just keychains and, like, socks. Yeah. They did seem to be very well stocked on all the plushes, though. That was one thing that there was an abundance of. Everything else, though, it was was slim pickings. A lot of things (laughs) that people really wanted, they weren't able to get based on where they were in the sign-up for what their assigned time slot was for the Pokemon Center. Um, yeah, I uh, was I was surprised to find didn't know this until it happened that as a competitor I automatically got a spot in the Pokemon Center and I was a little bit surprised. I was expecting it to be like because it was so big and such a large production. I was expecting there to be Pokemon branded everything. Like you could go in and get like. Charizard toothpicks, <laughs> or you know, uh, Scyther nail clippers, <laughs> something like that. Um, I was a little bit surprised that it was mainly just plushies and t-shirts, essentially, and like uh, t- and a lot of TCG s- stuff. So like play mats and cards and, and that. sleeves, lots of sleeves, lots of, lots of cards. Yeah, but yeah, and then there were you know keychains, pins, all ca- like there was a bunch of different stuff. They had ramen bowl, a skateboard. But, yeah, I think if you're looking for, like, the the toothpicks, (laughs) um, you can find that at a Pokemon Center, like, anywhere in Japan. Right. Rather than the world's exclusive one. Right. They also had all the different Sitting Cutie plushies and just a bunch of... So not just the world's plushes, but just a wide Mm -hmm. variety of different plushes that you can get. And then... Like, the different, not just the Yokohama brand clothes, but, like, the Team Rocket line of clothes as well. What did you think of that? The Team Rocket clothes? They're so expensive. <laughs> They're so expensive. Yeah, what was it, like, uh... Like, 90 bucks 90 for a bucks? shirt? Yeah. Like, no. With a, just an R on it? Yeah. Like, if I'm gonna buy a shirt, it's gonna be, like, a nice... And they didn't seem, like, particu- particularly functional, either. Mm-hmm. Like, um... I... I... Did, uh, I went to a baseball game a couple of nights ago, and I did actually buy a jacket that was rather expensive, but it's also, like, very warm and looks very nice, as opposed to, like, I wouldn't, I would not have spent the same amount on the Team Rocket one, which is like, oh, cool, I've got a Team Ro- like, I'm part of Team Rocket, but it's, like, how often are you going to actually wear that, you know, going out <laughs> and seeing friends and stuff? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, other than that? Uh, After the Pokemon Center, talking about just worlds in general, I, again, went as a spectator, so I went into the venue, and most of what I did was watch, you know, in the audience, watch on the stage, watch the stream. It was mostly how I spent my day. There was some food options available in the venue. There was, like, a pizza place, a sandwich place. There was a convenience store. And, yeah, I just spent from... 8.30 a.m. until Mm -hmm. 6 p.m. just in the venue hanging out and watching the stream. It was really cool to watch a bunch of people. They they played as many battles as possible on stream, which was really fun to watch. And the opening ceremony was gorgeous. Yeah, Yeah, the the Japanese drumming ceremony. It was beautiful. 
I can't say more. It was just, it was beautiful. Mm. And you should definitely go watch the YouTube video, the VOD for that. The orchestra performance that was the day before that I went to, I believe is also going to be on YouTube for a short time. And that is definitely worth a listen. I like teared up at the orchestra performance. (laughs) It was just so beautiful. So those are things to definitely watch out for. But I had a good experience as a spectator. The venue was not as hot as I was anticipating. I was expecting it to be roasting in that venue, but it was actually okay. It was nice. Um, Not cool by any means, but it was comfortable. And yeah, plenty of seats to watch Go as well as any other game. Tomorrow, my idea idea is to explore more of the venue, explore more of the things to do, like the play lab, things like that walk around a little bit more today was very focused on i want to watch the stream i want to see all these different battlers compete Uh, there is one more thing i want to bring up before we get into the games which is the the people so like like you and i there are a lot of people that uh have only ever talked online and now are meeting each other in person for the first time now because you've been to previous uh, wait, did you go to London as a spectator? I didn't. Okay, so um, so you haven't gone to London, so there's a lot of battlers that you might not have met, but I guess having gone to NAIC and, you know, a lot of other American regionals, you would have met a lot of those North American battlers. Uh, were there many people that you were meeting in person for the first time? Other than myself? you? Yeah. I was going to say other than you. Uh, the Aussies, generally, just... Yeah. Uh, it was so nice to meet PVP Steve for the first time. I met Not Rob May, mm-hmm. who's in Japan, who also fulfilled the hosting role uh, in Jim Lawson or Wholesome Spot, since he was not able to secure his work visa in time. Ah, that's... Okay, right. I didn't know that was... I thought that was just, a, like, an extra thing that they hadn't announced. I didn't realize that was because wholesome couldn't go i don't think it was like i don't think it was announced anywhere but if you follow the line of logic wholesome was supposed to be in that host slot yeah yeah and not rob may living in japan already has a work visa (laughs) it may like you just follow the logic yeah it would make even though it wasn't announced anywhere checks out checks out that that would work really really well and be really convenient and good for Rob May, to yeah. be able to fulfill that. Jim is here in Japan, and he's having a great time spectating, so... Oh, I see. I haven't seen him. He's having a grand time, and his wife, he got to do, like, the honeymoon stuff. Uh, he didn't have to sacrifice that for the trip, so mm-hmm. uh, that's very, very good. So, pos- lots of positives, lots of silver linings. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I got to meet not Rob May. Meet PVP Steve and Debbie Pebble, both of them for the first time. That was probably one of the highlights for me. Uh, They're such good people. (laughs) And just other people who I don't even see very often in the States. Like, Mm. Ken Alfindial is here. Oh, Um, is he? He hung out today. We got dinner together. And, like, I don't see him very often. He's on the other side of the U.S. from me. Right. A lot of people I just don't really ever see. European trainers I don't really ever see. Mm. Uh, So it was really good. It's good to, again, most of these friendships, uh, you have lucky friends that you're like, (laughs) oh, well, this is never going to happen. And then... (laughs) Like, you you meet up at Worlds. It's it's kind of what Pokemon's all about. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I uh, had already met all of the Australian trainers at uh, Melbourne and Perth, uh, but there were a lot of trainers that, like, I've ne- obviously never been outside of Australia to battle, so um, unless they've come here, which I think uh, the only person I can think of that's flown into Australia is, like, you say, Faru, uh, or Anacor, I guess. Which, um, you know, listeners might, might or might not know that. Now, if you're deep into the scene, then you'd probably know those two names. Um, but so there are a lot of people that I met for the first time, such as Rob May, uh, Lyle Jeffs, who I've mentioned a, a bunch of times on this podcast, uh, met him in person for the first time. Uh, there are a lot of people that I've seen on streams and stuff, so like I obviously knew their faces, uh, but it was just cool seeing them in person. People like, you know, your Wadages, your Hop Pockets, your Elites, you know, those those young child prodigies. <laughs> um, uh, who else? Uh, you know, Even people... people who aren't necessarily PvPers, but just are big in Pokemon Go, like Fleece King. And right. Cerebee Joe is at Worlds. Yep. Uh, the person behind Cerebee.net, if you use that website, website. at all. Uh, I've seen Zoe Two Dots and uh, Trainer Tips. They're both they're, they were both you know playing Go Fest in Osaka, and I saw uh, I don't know if Zoe's in Yokohama. I haven't seen her yet, but I saw Trainer Tips for the World Championship as well. So yeah, they're both here. 
So it's cool to just see not it's not just PvP like the VGC people, the the trading card game people, the Unite people, like everybody just coming together for this kind of once in a lifetime, the first time it's ever been in Japan, first time it's ever been in Asia, uh, this world's event. Mm. And it really, I think it really is something special to play and have this experience in the birthplace of Pokemon. Mm. And we talked about earlier Goldenrod is Osaka. This is Vermilion City where we are in the Kanto oh, really? region. Okay. So there's actually one lottery event that happened. For most of the events, you have to enter a lottery system. There was one where they had, like, an SSN, like, a big ship, and <gasps> trainers could, like, go on and trade and, like, battle. Uh, it was very VGC-focused, but <laughs> it's cool. It's cool to see, like, this big, beautiful Bay Area, and, you know, like, I'm in Vermilion City. <laughs> like, it's, it's just very, like, your inner child is just very yeah. happy. What about Tokyo? What's is that... I believe Tokyo is Celadon City. Okay. I would have to I would have to double check, um, but I know Anna Enhoff. She did kind of a tour of several regions of Japan and kind of noted uh, which all these cities and what their history, what it equivalents to, mm. what its equivalence in Japan is. So, for example, Kyoto is Ecritique City, mm-hmm. and you can see like the the there's like the Burn Tower and the Bell Tower. And all these different things in Ecritique. And we went to Nara, which is Violet City. And it ha- draws a lot from Violet City. So it's just very, it's very fun to kind of pick up the Pokemon lore from all over Japan. Again, it's just, it's just a good feeling. One other, again, one other thing I just really want to note and I want to make sure is said. I'm going to try to post it to social media later. But the event that the trainers are getting who are here in Japan, here in Yokohama... It's the best PvP event, bar none, that we've ever had. Uh, you'll have to fill me in, because I've been like out of the loop these last couple of weeks. Uh, the spawns. Drillbur, Wooloo, Lickitung is spawning. Flabebe is all over the place. We get the new Pokemon, Passimian, Scraggy, Machop. Just all of these PvP Pokemon are out in the wild, as well as unknowns Y and O as well and they and they can be shiny which is super neat as well as like listen to these event bonuses that the the spectators and competitors get so in addition to like what globally everybody gets which is like extra sets of go battle league and some raids and some field research and timed research you get special bonuses when you're in the venue so like extra xl candy chance is a big one so not only am i catching a ton of baby i'm getting a ton of XL candy for Flabebe, and it is absolutely wild. Yeah. It it really is the best PvP event we've ever had, and I am thoroughly enjoying it. The best spawns. I love being able to catch just a bunch of Drillbur and things like that. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to <laughs> get onto that now. Uh, now that I am out of the, of the tournament, DeFi, so... Yep, do you want to talk a little bit about... Uh, who you faced today? Yeah, so um, my tournament did not go well. I uh, went 0-2, just uh, busted out straight away. I faced a Chinese battler first, which I, I actually didn't know there were any Chinese battlers in the tournament, but I, I did happen to face one. His name was Quihan uh, or Kihan, uh, I believe it was. And in the second round, well, I mean, technically the third round, because I, I was lucky enough to get a buy in the first round. It was just kind of uh, randomly some trainers did get a buy just to make the double elimination format work uh, kind of mathematically. But um, so round two, I had my first battle face uh, Kihan, and round three was against S. Schneider from Brazil. In the first match, I won the first game, the first battle. And then just couldn't keep up in battles two and three. So uh, Kihan ran a... Oh, I should mention my team. So I ended up with a team of Shadow Swampert and Shadow Charizard as a core, which I think makes a just a really nice core together. And I wanted to balance it out with a lot of bulk because that's its biggest weakness is it's just so glassy and so shield hungry. So I... Uh, rounded out with Lickitung, Azumarill, Galarian Stunfisk, and Metacham. 
<laughs> and Quihan just ran a core of Noctowl, Metacham, and Lickitung all three battles. Lickitung is actually really, really good against that Swampert and Charizard core. Um, I, I didn't have very much against it. Even Metacham, as a counter user, isn't very good against it. Um, I tried... I actually ran Power Up Punch and Psychic as the moveset on Metacham because I wanted it to be safer against things like Umbreon and Registeel and Lickitung, which uh, are things that it's meant to beat but can actually have a lot of trouble against it uh, if you're running the, the more standard Ice Punch Psychic moveset. Uh, but it turns out that even with Power Up Punch, Lickitung can still take a shield from... Metacham. So Lickitung was a very big weakness of mine. I didn't know that coming in. And in practice battles, I felt like I'd been able to handle it. But I guess on the day, it just wasn't to be. Same thing with my second opponent, Schneider, in Brazil. From Brazil, um, he had a Lickitung as well. He also had a Lantern, which made my Charizard very difficult to run. Um, oh yeah, Kihan had a Toxapex as well, So uh, and Quagsire. So uh, a lot of people were just really, really aware of Charizard, which we've mentioned in the part. I think I, I remember talking about that with Caleb Peng, how uh, the, just everyone was very aware of Charizard and what it can do. So I think everyone was, you know, planning for it. I think was Lantern the second most used Pokemon it was really high up there. Yeah, yeah. After after Metacham. Metacham was on like 80-something percent of teams, which was ridiculous. But then I think Lantern was second, and the main reason, I believe, is because of Charizard. Yeah, and I mean, Kihan, this guy, he made it to day two. We're currently... Day two is tomorrow for us. Mm -hmm. But he actually made it on to day two, so... Yeah, okay. Really okay. talented battler. That That is some sort of comfort. Like, I'll, I'm gonna be honest, DeFi. I'm... I'm... I'm, I'm hurting. <laughs> um, it's it's fair to be disappointed. Yeah. However, if you think about it, 25% of all battlers here are going to go 0-2. Because sure. half of the battlers, you know, by number, are going to lose their first round. Yeah. And half of those Another battlers half. are going to lose their second round. That's just how the numbers work. So you're still... And there's no easy rounds. I think Speedy has mentioned this sometime on stream. There's no warm-up round yeah. <laughs> at Worlds. Like, everyone here had to beat a ton of players to get this far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, had to win their regional or come runner-up in their regional or do really well in an IC. So, again, there's, there's no buy rounds. Everyone here is incredible incredibly talented i went 0-2 at naic mm. my record will show 2-2 but i had two buy rounds <laughs> um but yeah i went 0-2 at naic mm. and it like it hurts in the moment yeah. but you know you just get over it you come back stronger you learn your lessons and honestly it's kind of nice to be done <laughs> um like when i was spectate like you just kind of get to move into the spectator role and just go enjoy the event there's the pressure's off well, you know what, um, I'm actually, like, I've, I've talked before on the podcast how I like to be, like, completely honest and authentic. Like, I'm in a, a state at the moment where I, I, I don't even want to hear about... Like my, my optimism? Yeah, uh, yeah, don't, don't want to hear the optimism. No, I was going to say, uh, like, every, every time I hear the world's mentioned on Discord or something, it just gives me another, like, pang of, of, uh, disappointment, and so... I'm, uh, I, I do agree with the idea of it's there's a silver, a silver lining with the tournament being over because now I'm thinking like, wow, I've got all of Saturday and Sunday free. What can I do with that time? It's not necessarily a bad thing to yeah. have your tournament run end early. Sure, it can be disappointing. I know a lot of people. And again, some of the best battlers yeah. in the world, like that's Dropped all early. of you. And you dropped early. The reigning world champion went 0 2 today. Yeah. Uh, Dancing Rob went 0 2. Like, it's it's gonna happen. You're gonna have incredibly talented battlers who just they either have a poor performance day or they meet teams that just directly counter theirs. Um, I'm trying to think like Brown Baller, Statistan, I think went 0 2. I think Me Weedle 
went out really early. Yeah. If he didn't go O2, it was pretty close. Elite actually dropped really early. Yeah, and I'm really fortunate to have just a, a lot of people in this scene who are so supportive. And I'm endlessly thankful for those people. And you're one of them. I've told you before. I will make fun of you, though, for lack, your lack of planning on this trip. <laughs> That's fine. I'll, t- I'll take I'll that. I'll do it you. again. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of people, you know, they they try and comfort me with, uh, you know what, you made it here and so many other people didn't. And I'm like, while it's, like, factually true, like, rationally true, um, I, things like that don't really comfort me. It's more, I just want people to empathize with me. So I think the thing, the the thing that someone can say to me that would probably help more than anything else is just, man, that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and leave it at that. Um, they, they, like, they don't need to make me feel it. In fact, trying to undo someone's hurt and sadness can often be like, more harmful. Um, just being there for a person when they're upset is... So, and, and again, like, you've, you've done this in the past. Like, just just being there. Like, you've, you've done all the right things for me in the past when I've been upset about something, um, and I really appreciate you for that. You're very welcome. <laughs> like, it'll happen. Yeah. Like, it happens. And, and it sucks, and it feels bad, and you're allowed to feel bad, but <laughs> you shouldn't, like, hold it with you forever, because... For sure, for sure. It happens. And that, that's kind of why, like, uh, you, you and I had plans to record this on the Sunday, and I was like, hey, can we, like, are you doing anything tonight? Can we move it to the Friday night? Because I kind of wanted to get my raw reaction. I know that, like, obviously I'll be fine. <laughs> um, but right now... Uh, part of this podcast is dedicated towards uh, me processing my pain. And I I did mention this before. uh, I I think I mentioned this before in another episode, how, like, I was was almost... uh, I was almost hoping words wouldn't come. (laughs) Because, like, until it happened, I was always going to be a world's competitor, like a world-class, world-championship-qualified competitor. And then I knew that once it was over, like, I must have just known deep down it just wouldn't happen. Um, because, like, I knew that once the tournament was over, then that feeling of being our world's competitor, I'm using quotation marks here, <laughs> would be gone. And, I mean, you still, you competed at Worlds. Mm, yeah. But now, there's the 2024 season to For sure. work towards. For sure. Um, and I, I, I think I am going to get just better and better. The skill gap, I feel like, at the top of this game is so small. Like, the margin of, like, skill from battler to Mm. battler. Like, everyone's pretty equal on the playing field once you get up high enough. Yeah. Like, anyone can beat anyone. Yeah. And sometimes it just depends. You know, sometimes the battle's won on the lock-in screen. Like, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Where it's just, you're going to get a rock, paper, scissors matchup. And sometimes, like, you just make a bad team read. Like, I'm predicting this from my opponent. And you play really hard into it, and that's just not what your opponent brings. Like, sometimes that happens, and that's okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I will beat, the, I will beat that drum all day. <laughs> um, but yeah, Statistan went, um, he only won one, so he went one, two. Looks like, yeah, Brown Baller. Um, I'm trying to find more people who, like, went out super, super early. Fishy Legs went out super early. O2, Elite. Zardy. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah. Like, Zardy's... Inc- he's one of the people I would have thought to, like... As a winner. Win the whole thing. Yeah. So, um, it's... It's a lot of people. And... So, my my team that I picked, that's another thing that I'm kind of... I, I feel like I'm jumping around a little, that's fine, because... Uh, I hope that's fine, because I'm... Uh, uh, like I said, I'm processing all this in real time. Um, the team that I picked... Uh, I feel like, in hindsight, I have regrets on that. I actually went fairly meta. And, like, uh, again, I had so many comments about, like, uh, you know, regular Charizard. Like, that that's a terrible decision. <laughs> um, so I think, I feel like that might have kind of made me err on the side of picking a meta Pokemon for this next tournament. I did have a secondary team in mind that I made, like, a day before... 
the tournament, uh, before the teams were meant to be locked in, because I was having some practice battles, and I found out, like, I was I was kind of weak to, like, a Swampert with an energy lead, so I, I kind of re re-kajigged my team, and it was a little bit more, I guess, not what the North American audience is used to, so there was no steel type, um, it was like double water, double flyer, um, it, it was a little bit weird, um, and I kind of talked myself out of going with it, it looked really, really nice on paper, but I talked myself out of going with it because it was just not standard. <laughs> now, I might have still gone 0-2 even if I had used that team, and maybe I'd be kicking myself then. <laughs> Um, but it's just, it's, uh, one of many thoughts that's gone through my head, uh, in, during, like, the, the hours that it's been since, since the battles. Do you have any other kind of wrapping up thoughts on your experience overall? Because I think we've covered your battles. Anything else on your experience? I'm going to give a shout out to a friend of mine from Perth in Australia named Avrip. Uh, he, he is fairly well known uh, in the community, but not necessarily amongst battlers, because he's a writer for GoHub, um, a, a, a PvP writer, specifically, but yeah, the, he's more well known through that sphere than through the battling sphere. Um, he is one of the two people that I've been traveling with to this trip, and he has qualified for day two in the winner side of the bracket, so I'm... <laughs> forcing myself to be happy for him because like that is a, a major major accomplishment and I, like it's you know I, I would certainly hope that people would be happy for me if I did it so I'm I'm trying to just push my own kind of vanity to the side for just one second so I can uh, give my praise to this this guy who have really really enjoyed spending time with and has been the one Worlds qualifier that I've permitted myself to practice with. I didn't want to kind of practice with other Worlds qualifiers in case I matched with them, <laughs> but um, it was, uh, yeah, Adam was the only one, and he is very, very good. Alright. I think that pretty much sums up Worlds. We have two days ahead of us. Saturday, they're going to narrow it down to, I think, just the top two, and then those top two are going to play on Sunday, is how I believe that's going to work. It's either the top two or the top three. Yep. Uh, and they're going to play the grand finals on Sunday. So lots and lots of really big battles to go. Uh, I'm really excited to see how that all plays out. But I think in the meantime, we have some listener questions. Yeah, we have a really big moment. Like this is the biggest sack that we've ever had of mail. Uh, like it took me a long time to drag this to the hotel room, DeFi. Yeah, and keep them coming, everybody. We love answering questions. Our first mailbag is from Faulkner14, who writes... Hey guys, I'm a big fan of the show. I have a bit of a weird situation. I've done alarmingly well in Fossil Cup. I started at 1800 range and I peaked at 2640. That doesn't sound like a problem to me. <laughs> Using Lantern, Lucario, and a Scavalier. With Ultra League and Jungle Cup being the next in rotation, do you have any advice for not tanking? I've never done well in Ultra League and now I'm in the 2600 range and I'm going to get pummeled. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Sorry for the long email. Regards, Faulkner14. Yeah, so I actually, uh, for a bit of background, we got this email quite a while ago now, and uh, I I knew that we wouldn't be recording again for a few days, so I responded to this one personally. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a really, really good question and something that could probably benefit a lot more people, so I wanted to kind of repeat it on the podcast here. So basically, I my response to that is that the best answer that I can give is probably not the one that uh, someone in your position would want to hear, and that is to prepare yourself to potentially lose that elo. Um, like, it's not because you are facing people who are way better than you, because I've always been on my soapbox about how uh, someone's elo at any one particular point in time isn't actually a great indication of how good a battler they are. You're, I, I would fully, you know, put my chips on you being just as good a battler as everyone else at that elo. Um, 
the trouble with Blind 3's PvP is just that it, it is wild and unpredictable. It's a, I compare it to the stock market, where like you will have huge booms and huge busts, uh, but if you're doing things right, then you'll see a very gradual incline over time. And the more you zoom out, the the more you can see that steady climb. Uh, if you look, if you zoom in on any one particular point, it'll just look like you've gained a hundred, lost a hundred, gained six hundred, lost six hundred. But you'll be able to see those little tiny improvements over time. This is why I actually, uh, for the last few seasons now, I've actually charted my ELO. I've basically put every time I get an ELO update, I pop it in a Google spreadsheet, and at the end of each season, I make a chart out of that just to see what the overall trend is. And, like, I could maybe... I could uh, send this out on Twitter. It might be on my account, or it might be on the GoCast account. We'll see. But um, I'll, sh I'll send one of these... I'll tweet one of these charts out, and you'll be able to see how... That exactly that is happening. Just like you, you zoom on in on one particular part, and it just looks like a random, you know, set of five battles. But the when you zoom out and look at the whole three months, it does go up over time. That's what I kind of expect to happen to anyone in your situation who has risen as many points as you have in a short amount of time. It's probably gonna fall, and maybe even fall further than what you started. Sometimes. It that happens uh, other times, you know, it's it's nearby that amount. Uh, but over time, you will you know you you can get to that elo, and so you know you can do it again, and it will happen relatively soon. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm glad that you were able to respond to that listener right away. So Faulkner, I hope that that helped you, and I think it's good advice. Again, like there's no magic trick. I think to the Go Battle League. It's just those gradual improvements over time. Our next email is going to be from Tom in Brighton, England. And Tom writes, Dear DeFi and Fish, Man, I suck at the Ultra League. I can relate. <laughs> Last time I played, I dropped 400 points in a couple weeks. The problem is when I look at the best pokes to use on pvpoke.com, they all seem to be unobtainable with the ideal 0-15-15 IVs, as they are raid-only legendaries. I know I could trade to try to get better stats, but they are very, very rarely come out with anything approaching the top 100 ranking. So what to do? Is it worth me investing all that Stardust and Rare Candy into my 10-14-12 Chrysalia, rank 730? Yes. Or my 11-15-15 Regirock, ranked 14-56? Yes. What sort of IVs would you recommend for making reasonably use for making reasonably usable battlers? And what sort of stats do the mons on your Ultra League team have? Thanks in advance for your very valuable opinions. Tom in Brighton, England. Well, Tom, we had a listener write in about this fairly recently, and my response is the same. Build what you've got. It's better to build a Pokemon that's maybe not the best IV spread and use it and then you can always replace it later. You can always regain the Stardust later. But you're missing out on being able to use the Pokemon now by not building it if you have it. So I know for a fact I was using a 100% IV Venusaur in the Ultra League for a little while. Right. I Like my Ultra League Pokemon IVs, they're not ideal. Especially not the Legends. Uh, a lot of times I'll use my Raid IV Legends... And other times I'll use, like, I'll trade, and if it seems okay-ish, I'll use it. Uh, I'm trying to find a good example. Some of mine, they're really, really good. Like, I have a Swampert that has really good Ultra League IVs, but the one I was using prior did not, definitely did not. Hmm. The Snorlax I was using <laughs> for a long time is a 13-14-14 Snorlax. It's a lucky Snorlax. Mm -hmm. So, and then eventually over time, when I was like, oh, I have this nice other Snorlax and I have the resources I can allocate to replace it, then I can replace it. But it's better to have the Pokemon than with iffy IVs than to not have it at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the only difference that IVs make are uh, 
like uh, a charge move might do two more damage to a Pokemon with lower defense than it would with high defense, or one counter from a Metacham might do one more damage uh, if it's got a high attack stat than if it doesn't. Uh, it's it, these are the things that are very high level, and we absolutely do not recommend. Uh, that people worry about it when they're just starting out on their journey. When they have, when you have a really big roster, all built and ready to go, you've got the hang of, you know, the basics, then we can start looking at IVs. And I'm going to complicate things even further and say, uh, high, again, quotation marks, high rank Pokemon aren't automatically the best either. Uh, this was something that, really came to light for me while preparing for Worlds, where uh, building a Pokemon with a higher stat product was actually worse for me than building one with, like, a different IV spread or stat spread, because I preferred more attack while getting the same amount of defense, for example, with a different stat spread. So, yeah, if you have a Pokemon that you want to build, absolutely just go for it man exactly sometimes you want a pokemon with a slightly higher attack i know speediest chief he has two frost lasses one that's like a high rank one and one that's just super attack rate weighted mm. so when there's a meta with a lot of frost lass around he's always going to win that charge move priority yeah so you know the best rank isn't always better yeah um and that's something we can absolutely talk about uh when the time comes the next email is from Heroice18, who says, With the Little Cup format changing again, I've been confused as to what really constitutes a Little Cup. Now with allowing evolved Pokemon into the Jungle Cup, do you think this is something they do again in the future? Or do you think they'll go back to unevolved Pokemon? May the Little Mons be ever in your favor. Heroice18. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, end of the email aside. I think... <laughs> They had the original, original Little Cup, which had the unevolved rule, and then some Little Cups are like the Little Jungle Cup, and some are like the Little Element Cup, where you it has to be those unevolved Pokemon, so you're seeing the Ducklet and the Chikorita and the Chinchow. I think it's okay to have both. I think it's okay to prepare for both. Uh, but... And I don't see it changing. I don't see them fully swinging one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing that makes something a Little Cup... The only essential ingredient is the CP cap of 500. Uh, other than that, like they can have any other rules that they want, and they can still be considered a little cup. Baby only cup. Baby All only. Togepi and Wynut and Tyrogue. Maybe ban Wynut. How, how, many, how many baby Pokemon are there, though? That would be a very small meta. It would be the tiniest meta. Tiniest of metas. <laughs> the tiniest of cups. <laughs> All the right. Ultra, ultra small cup. Yes, excess. excess. Ooh, or or a cup where you can only use like the extra extra, extra small, small Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> it would be adorable. Everything so anything's be... allowed, but it has to be just tiny, tiny. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Here, Ice Eighteen. Our next email comes from Chris. Chris says, "Yes, it's possible. Didn't know it was good until listening to your podcast. Thanks. May the leads be whatever." And... I like that. I like that one. <laughs> May the leads be whatever. But he included a picture with this email of a very small shadow dragonite that's like under 500 CP. It is very tiny. Uh, rank 95 for Little Cup. Uh, pretty impressive. Uh, I did come across a couple of shadow dragonites, so yeah, I can confirm too that it is a thing. Uh, I... Can't see whether it's a double-moved Shadow Dragonite, though. Um, I feel like the superpower does do well in this particular cup because there are a couple of really big steals in Stunfisk and Steelix around. So definitely want to double-move that if you got the candy for it. All right. Next email is from Corrupt Crowley, who writes, Hello, hello. I will refrain from writing your names down as I know I'll spell them incorrectly. Oh, no. <laughs> but love you and the cast all the same. Thank you, Corrupt Crowley. Uh, continues to write, So with all the talk of adding status effects and held items, it got me thinking. While those sound great to have, they also sound a bit difficult to implement. My idea is to alter what we already have and spice it up. 
I'm talking about speed affecting moves and cost affecting moves. For example, you could have a bird uh, Pokemon that knows a slow, quick move like Gust and give it a charge move of Tailwind. With Tailwind, it would reduce the fast move turns by one or even half for longer turn moves and make it ineffective for shorter quick moves. In the same vein, you could have a charge move that slows opponents' fast moves. I think this could be a great way to nerf moves like counter without touching damage or organic speed. For the second type, using Paralyzed, Poison, fro Frozen, and Burn effects, if an opposing mon gets afflicted, it can cause their moves to cost 5, 10, or 15 more energy, depending on the move. It could even speed reduce quick moves, too. Just a thought that struck mm. me. May your candies be XL, <laughs> Corrupt Crawly. Yeah, really good ideas. Um, really nuanced and complex. Uh, there would definitely need to be some things to work out. Uh, balance-wise, such as is the move Tailwind doing damage as well as having that other effect? Uh, also, thinking about too, Tailwind, for anyone who doesn't know, that's a move that's really popular in the video game, because much like charge move priority in Pokemon Go, Tailwind affects your speed, so it, it allows you to go first. Mm -hmm. And attacking first is often really really important and that's what the move tailwind does in the vgc so i like the idea of trying to do something with that of making your moves quicker somehow uh again i just i worry about like how difficult that might be to enter in the code mm. without breaking everything <laughs> but i like i like the idea of somehow being able to play with speed yeah for sure and you know what anything we introduce into the game uh, that is extra to what we have now has the potential to break the code. So uh, I, I think when we talk about new features, then I, I think it's implied that they've worked out how to do it without breaking things. Um, as for, yeah, Poison Paralyze, things like that having a higher energy cost. So let me think of, like, examples of how that would work. If your Swampert is frozen... It can still throw mud shots, but it takes like six mud shots to get to the first hydro cannon. I think I think that's what they're saying. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. Um, I guess the only issue I have is like thematically, like I I'm not sure what the link is between my Pokemon being frozen and the energy costing more. Like functionally, it, it does sound really interesting, and I like it. Uh, I think I would just want to uh, find a different way of implementing that. Like, maybe there's some other way we can have a move cost more energy. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, how to thematically do it. Like, burn, I know, at least early on, it would decrease your attack Yeah. in yeah. the game, in addition to doing damage to yourself. Frozen didn't do damage to yourself, but you weren't allowed to move. Yeah. So it would just be, like, GBL leg, yeah. where you just, like, can't move. <laughs> Uh, for a moment. Uh, paralysis doesn't hurt, but again, there's a chance, like, your move isn't gonna throw. Throw, yep. Uh, so, like, having a, like, again, kind of like GBL, <laughs> like, like, you're hitting your charge move and it's yeah. just not going. Uh, so I think, I think status effects are possible. I, I will stand on the hill that I think held items would be the easiest to implement because for you sure. could only have maybe three of them. Like, I think abilities is way too difficult and then having status effects is somewhere in the middle. Uh, but then if you had held items, uh, and like we're, we're talking about it in the context of affecting the energy cost of moves, you could potentially give, again, to use Swampert as an example, like give that the item that decreases the energy cost of Hydro Cannon, suddenly you're getting there in four mud shots every time. That would be pretty busted. Yep, so it would definitely... It would require a lot of thought. Mm. It would have to be very carefully implemented, I think. It's not a thing in the main series that like only certain Pokemon can hold certain items, right? Um, generally not, no. Mm. There are things that only... So, like, I know there's things like Miracle Seed that uh, increases the power of Grass-type moves, but... Yep, and Eviolite, for example, only benefits Pokemon that can evolve but haven't yet. Ah. So... Like, there are things where, like, any Pokemon can hold any item, but it may not benefit them to yeah. the same extent. Yeah. So a lot of thought would need to be put into held items. I do agree that, like, the the possibilities are endless when it comes to held items. 
And probably abilities too, but um, definitely a lot of thought needs to go into it, because um, we've talked before about how ridiculously difficult it is to make a meta that is balanced, <laughs> so you need to make sure whatever you introduced uh, increases complexity and nuance without polarizing the meta. Agreed. All right, we have one more email and then a cheeky voicemail. This email comes from Jeff or Ash Ketchum 69 and they write, Hello again, fellow trainers. Jeff, Ash Ketchum 69 Here again, thanks for the shout-out and feedback in the last PvP corner. I only played the first three generations of Pokemon games growing up, so I have been enjoying trying later generation Pokemon in PvP. I've been lucky enough to trade with local trainers here in a tiny town in northern Michigan and acquire new Pokemon. My next two targets have to be Kabalian and Giratina, since they're newer generation and I have been encountering them often in Ultra League. That being said, the team I had the most success with in Ultra League tonight was Galissapod, Cresselia, and Trevenant. Even with poor PvP IVs, I still did well and had won 5-0 sets. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions for the current team? Thanks again for all your help. Sincerely, Jeff. Before we get into the team composition, I just want to shout out again. Jeff built Pokemon that had poor PvP IVs and still did well. Yeah. So, awesome job, Jeff. It's better to build what you've got and use it, and then you just can replace it later. Even if it feels monumental, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, 100 candies for the second move. Like, that, it's rough, but over time... If you want to and you have a really, really good replacement, you can do that. Or you can put your resources elsewhere and just keep using your one that maybe doesn't have the best PvP IVs. The Pokemon and the moves matter way more. For sure. Uh, now to the team. Uh, really, really happy that you got the 5-0. I do sense a bit of a weakness to a flyer in the lead, though. So if you encounter like a Pidgeot in the lead, a Gliscor, a Charizard... Uh, a, a Dragonite Pelipper, that kind of thing, uh, Mandibuzz, uh, that's gonna give you a lot of trouble. Also, Mandibuzz actually uh, kind of beats all three of those Pokemon, so you are... You do have... So, your back two Pokemon are both weak to dark, and you've kind of counteracted that by putting a bug Pokemon in the lead. Very good. Love that. Um, that that's what we refer to as the ABB strategy. You just have to be aware that if your Galissapod goes down and they have a Dark-type Pokemon in the back, then you are in trouble after that. So that's where team reading can really help you out. If you see their lead Pokemon and think, well, it makes sense for there to be a Dark Pokemon in the back, then you might want to draw it out, say, with your Cresselia, uh, which can hit back with Moonblast. And with that, we have just our voicemail left, and that is from Sarah Amanda. Hey Fish and DeFi-E, it's Sarah Amanda, a proud member of the Fish Fan Club. I have some super important information that was requested on a previous episode by Fish himself, but he forgot to follow up with it, so I am here to say the thing. If you want to hear the legendary Fish jingle, it is episode 159, timestamp 1 hour, 24 minutes, 17 seconds. Obviously I had this timestamp written down somewhere safe where I wouldn't lose it. My memory isn't that good. Well... I did listen again to be sure my notes were correct, and I guess it's a good thing I did, because due to the ad added to the front of the episode, it did shift the timestamp. So anyway, this is the correct timestamp to jump right to the dingle. I'll repeat it again. Episode 159, 1 hour, 24 minutes, 17 seconds. Peace, Sarah Amanda. That is a bold-faced lie. I definitely brought it up. Um, uh, I remember bringing it up, like, at the beginning of the next episode. So maybe with Caleb, right? With, with, uh, that was when I first brought up that the, the jingle existed, and I think the next episode after that, I said, oh, and we found it. Unless I made it, like, unless I put it in the notes and then forgot to bring it up or something, which is a thing that I'm capable of doing. But I'm glad, uh, that Sarah Amanda is here, because she is right on top of it. She actually, um showed me a screenshot of an Ooxie that she caught that I invited her to, and she named it the time code of that jingle, which is amazing. And I hope that now that the ads are in the podcasts, she's changed the name of the Ooxie to match. All right. So thank you. And with that, that's the end of this episode already. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't have anything new to plug other than just, you know, making, checking my socials for Japan updates and pictures. I know I put some on threads. Um, <laughs> I might put some on X. Yeah, it's X com. now. Oh, jeez. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. I don't want to th- They took away, like, the tweet, like, you post now. I, yeah, I've, I've, look, I, I've always wanted Elon to do well. I've always been like a, you go get him, kid. You do your own thing. But this is one I can't support. <laughs> like, Twitter was, I'm not going to call it X. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird and I don't like it. <laughs> uh, anyway. But, you know, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, it's in my link tree, which is in the show notes. Uh, and I post there sometimes. And also on, you know, Instagram, threads, all, all the other places. And I hope to, uh, come September, try to get, figure out my Twitch streaming, something that's, I'm still working full time, but be able to create content a little bit more often at home. And I guess the normal stuff for me, uh, check out Palatown PVP on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, uh, we don't have a threads. We haven't, bo- we haven't bothered with that yet. Um. And TikTok, of course. Uh, I am unable to uh, cover our weekly GB or meta streams while I'm away. And I'm actually, uh, even after this trip to Japan finishes, I'm actually moving on to the Gold Coast for like a work trip after that. So that's going to be another two weeks that I will be unable to do so. But normally... That's what we've got going on there, and those videos are always incredibly informative, so check that out. And that is it for the episode. We love hearing from you. If you have any questions or suggestions for myself or DeFi, you can direct that to pvpcorner at gocastpodcast.com. You can also send us a voicemail or physical mail to the GoCast PO box. Take a look at the show description for the phone number and the P.O. Box address. In the show description, you can click on More Fish or More DeFi to take you to our other projects and ways to contact us. And DeFi is going to take us out. Bye! No, no, that's not... <laughs> that wasn't what we discussed! <laughs>